It's the Firm Foundation Media Podcast. Good afternoon and welcome once again to the Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires and this is episode three, All Things Moncton Magic. Very pleased to be joined once again by the head coach and general manager of the Moncton Magic, Coach Joe Salerno. Coach, uh, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to uh, join us on the program again. Yeah, of course, Scott. How are you? Very good, sir. So uh, I know the last time we spoke, uh, things hadn't gone exactly according to plan. Bit of a, a slow start uh, coming off the first two games of the season, but I think everybody kind of had the feeling that it was just a matter of time before uh, the Magic got things kind of going on the floor and started to gel a little bit. And that certainly started to come together uh, on your home game just a few days ago against the uh, Island Storm, um, a team that had defeated you a couple of evenings earlier over in Charlottetown. But, of course, you got the rematch back on your home court at the Moncton Coliseum, and uh, things went very differently. And uh, the overriding theme for that game, I believe, at the end of the day was rebounding. But how did you see it from, uh, from your vantage point, of course, as coach? Well, I just think we took we took full advantage of our of our off day, you know, the day in between games. And I mean, that, that's just something at at this level with the amount of talent that each you know every team in this league has. It, it's about making adjustments, and it's about um, you know playing from from one game to the next and, and, and figuring out what needs to be. Um, can certainly be an explosive team shooting the basketball. And, and like I said on the previous podcast, you know, if you catch them on a really hot night, um, they're going to be difficult for anybody to defeat. Um, so defense was the priority. You know, on that off day, we, we spent a ton of time in the film room and, and really kind of made some adjustments on how we wanted to defend certain personnel and, and rotations and, and everything along those lines defensively. And I was very pleased with how the guys responded to that uh, and how they executed, you know, a, a game plan. Now, when you look at that game, one of the things that we'll get into some more detail about the nuts and bolts of it, but one of the things that I thought was really neat from a fan's perspective and certainly from somebody that's covered Atlantic University sport for a number of years is the outlet that now exists for a lot of these student athletes once they graduate from university and varsity athletics. Uh, The NBL is now a spot where a lot of these players can land. And in that game a couple of nights ago versus the Island Storm, Five former Atlantic University sport players uh, were in the lineup. Three for the Island Storm, three former UPI Panther players, uh, Doot Doot, Brad States, and Tyler Scott. And, of course, on your squad, Marquise Clayton, who played for the St. Mary's University Huskies, and uh, Terry Thomas, who played for St. Avex. Is that something that's kind of um, discussed amongst the coaches in the league, is being able to give an outlet for these players and maybe – going the extra mile to recruit some of these guys that play in the Atlantic region? Well, you know, Scott, being honest, I, I, it's not something that I've had many conversations with other coaches about. I think it's definitely something the NBL Canada, you know, when they originally uh, created this league, knowing that the Canadian content would, would grow in the league over the years, I think it was always a hope that some of the better Canadian, you know, university players and collegiate players would stay and, and play here in Canada. Um you know, interestingly enough, if you look at all the Ontario teams, I, I think it'd be hard to find virtually any AUS players, but you would find an awful lot of, you know, OUA players or players from that region. So I think, you know, 
the teams up here in the Maritimes, we've done a, a pretty good job of identifying um, recruiting and signing some of the, the better talent to come from the AUS. And, you know, I think with all those guys, Brad States is a prime example. Uh, you know, he's a very solid player uh, in the NBL Canada now. You know, it took him a, a full season last year to kind of adjust, you know, from the AUS to the NBL Canada, the level of athleticism and, and, and talent and speed of the game. But now he's become a very solid player in this league, and I think you'll see the same thing with guys like Marquise Clayton and, and uh, Tyler Scott, uh, et cetera. So it's not necessarily something that you know I only you know I only want to look for AUS players or you know. But when hey, there's a talented player uh, and he's in your backyard, yeah, I think it's great to, to give that player an opportunity to, to stay close to home and play professionally. Now, of course, uh, Terry Thomas has a year under his belt. Marquise Clayton, a rookie, but. Hard to look at this team and, again, not talk about that incredible veteran presence that you have, uh, the all-time leading scorer in the NBL, Anthony Anderson, and, of course, a multi-time defensive player of the year, Al Stewart. And I think you've really started to see those guys come together and gel and really start to put their imprint on this team. Coach, just what does it mean for you to be on that sideline and have those two guys that you can just throw out there in almost any situation? I mean, it means a lot, and it's certainly not just, uh, you know, Al and, and Anthony Anderson. I mean, obviously, Jeremy Williams has spent multiple years in this league, and, you know, Terry's actually in his third year now, and Anthony Cox has been in this league, and Tim Mitchell's in his second year. So the, the familiarity with the league and, and kind of what it requires, what it takes to, to win, uh, it's a pretty comforting feeling as a coach, knowing that the majority of the players on your roster uh, understand that, and, and they, they do know what it takes to, to win in this league. Um Anthony, you know, Double A and, and, and Al, uh, and even Terry especially, I mean, they've been, they've been great with younger guys. And, you know, a lot of the rookies comment that it's, you know, this is a great opportunity for them because they just kind of soak up knowledge from these veteran players. And, um, no, it certainly makes my job easier. There's no doubt about it, which I'm all for. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, they, they're starting to come together and, and they're starting to share the basketball and, a lot of that has to do with having so many veteran players on your team when you start to see that so early in the season. Now, I know certainly the storyline from that Island Storm game, we talked about it off the top, but was the rebounds. I mean, a differential of 50 in favor of the Magic, 77 to 27 overall on the rebound side. But other than that, what was the biggest difference for the Moncton Magic for your side in that game against the Island Storm and getting your first victory? Well, I mean, like I said, it was definitely on the defensive end. Um, you know, I thought the game at the island on uh, on Thursday, I actually thought we played fairly well offensively, and I thought that carried over um, to Saturday's game. I thought we might even been a little more on the same page offensively, so I think we slightly improved there, but we drastically improved on the defensive end. And a lot of that had to do with our big guys um, and limiting second-chance opportunities for the Storm, uh, limiting, you know, potential three-point shots off of offensive rebounds because we just we dominated the glass. Um, we really kind of challenged the big guys. You know, the day before in the film session, it wasn't it wasn't the most pleasant room to be in. Uh, we were in there for about 90 minutes, and you know, we, we say like check the egos at the door. You know, when you walk into film, and and we really kind of got on the big guys. You know, about their interior defensive presence and um, rebounding the basketball, and, and and all of them, you know, responded to that. Um, so to me, that was really the biggest difference in the game. It was just, just how we played defensively, the game plan we executed, and, and really the emphasis that we put on you know, getting stops and rebounding the ball and getting into our offense. 
Now, Coach, uh, I've had a chance to talk to you after each of the games, and like like any good coach at a high level like yourself, one of the things that you're doing very close to the end of the game is checking out the the sheet and kind of looking at the line for some of your guys, team team stats as well. But again, rebounding aside, when you took a quick glance uh, at that final stat sheet and the box score from that game against the Island Storm, what were a couple of other things that jumped out of at you in terms of the positives? You know, it's pretty rare we kind of single guys out in the locker room regarding statistics after a win. Um, but, you know, I mean, I pointed two guys out that I thought kind of summed up the game as a whole, and that was Ashanti Day um, coming off the bench playing only 14 minutes, but he had seven rebounds, and Denzel Taylor playing 15 minutes, and he had seven rebounds, six of those on the offensive end. You know, so that showed me that even guys that may have seen limited time uh, that may not quite be rotation players yet. They got the message during that off day as well, and they went out and did their job. And and everybody, you know, did their job that game. So I mean, that was actually the the two numbers that jumped off the page uh, to me more than anything, even more than than you know Tim Mitchell's numbers and and the way Corey Allman shot the ball. I think when your when your bench is competing just as hard as your starters, and and we're all on the same page with what we have to do to get a win. I think that says a lot about your team. So um, that was certainly something that jumped out to me. Now, of course, that game was on a Friday night uh, evening game. Then you had the, or excuse me, on a Saturday night. Then you had the quick turnaround Sunday afternoon, a 2 p.m. start against a very young overall Cape Breton Highlander squad uh, coached by a pretty familiar guy around the NBL, Rob Spawn. And before we get to the game, it was kind of neat to watch uh, you and Coach Spawn uh, prior to the game, early on during just the casual shoot-around, you guys just kind of uh, shooting the breeze, as it were, talking a little bit of basketball, talking about Anthony Anderson, of course, because Coach Spawn, uh, very familiar with AA. But, you know, uh, what was that like, and, and what are some of the things that, uh, you know, you kind of uh, look at and, and are, you know, I don't know if in, in uh, awe is the right thing, but when you look at Coach Spawn, you, you think to yourself, as a fellow coach, you know, Man, Coach Spawn, he does this well or he does that well. But what what were those conversations like? Well, I mean, you know, I've, I've known Rob for a long time. Um, I've coached against him for a long time, and um, you know, it's 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 interesting. It's kind of like you know, it's an old buddy that you see a couple times over the course of the year, and and you know, I mean, you you have the same interests, so you always have something to talk about, and um, you know, just just kind of chatting around about league news and. And players and, and kind of what's going on and how's your team looking and how's your team you know doing and you know, just really kind of casual conversation um you know i think i think no matter how competitive coaches are in this league uh, especially now that there's been some coaches that have been in it for a few years you get to know these guys a little bit and there's certainly still a, a bit of a, a sense of camaraderie you know among head coaches in this league and you know you always have time to, to kind of chat with another head coach prior to a game and um, but yeah, you know, we, we just talked about Double A a little bit, and um, you know, obviously, how excited I was to have him this upcoming season, and how excited he was to be here. And um, yeah, you know, it was just kind of casual conversation. Can you think? Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Coach. But can you think of uh, kind of a, an interesting story, whether it's in game or otherwise, uh, that you remember fondly from Coach Spawn over the years? Um. Well, I kind of give Rob grief because, I mean, you know, he's over the years, he, I, I think Rob sometimes likes to chat you up a little bit before games, you know, <laughs> and kind of tell you, 
how good things look over here on your side and, and you know you have this great town and I think he likes to kind of chat you up a little bit you know all 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 be knowing that that you know he also has a very competitive team uh, on the floor so you know I think he likes to make you you feel a little good before games and and whatever else but I've, I've learned I've learned from that over the years and uh, I kind of brush that stuff off now when I'm, when I'm talking with Rob no as as my uh, mother used to say no pulling the wool over your eyes anymore eh, coach no no sir I've, I've uh, I'm the I'm the youngest old coach in the, in the league. No doubt about that. Uh, now, you know, you talk about this Cape Breton Highlanders team, you know, coming in uh, overall a very young squad, and sometimes it's human nature to look at a roster and go, you know what, we should have a pretty good time or an easy time with these guys. But, uh, you know, prior to the game, a day or two before, they added a veteran presence in Hakeem Johnson, who certainly brings a lot to that squad. But I in, in that game, the Cape Breton Highlanders wouldn't let you guys pull away. The day, the night before against the Island Storm, you got up big into double digits and you never really looked back. Time and time again, this Cape Breton Highlanders team kept chipping away and chipping away and really made you guys work for it. What was what was the biggest thing that the Highlanders were able to do to you guys to kind of have that ebb and flow back and forth? Well, I think they continued to compete, you know, and, and, and there, was no, there was no doubt about that. Um, you know, once you get down 20 or so in a game, you know, sometimes it's easy to, to pack it up. And, uh, and they, they definitely didn't do that. So I certainly credit them, uh, you know, and, and Rob, um, for, for not allowing them to do that. Uh, you know, at the same time, I think it was difficult for us. I mean, for the fact, you know, it was our fourth game in five days. It was the, the 7 p.m. to 2 o'clock, you know, turnaround on the back-to-back. We had come off a very big win the night before, um, a pretty lopsided win, and, and then we were up early in this game. So it was a challenge for us to, to maintain our focus. Um, it was something I was I was trying to work very hard uh, to keep our guys focused on, you know, what we needed to do, what had got us to that point, you know, with the way we've been playing defensively, and you know, so I think it was it was definitely the Highlanders continuing to compete. Uh, they were knocking down some three balls, and, and at one point it was like we were trading threes and twos, and we certainly don't want to do that. Uh, but then I think it was a little bit of us, too. You know, we were starting to get a little bit complacent. I think our, our legs were starting to go. Our, our mind was starting to go a little bit. So uh, it was a struggle. But, uh, again, a big part of that was because Cape Breton just, just, just wouldn't fold up. And um, I certainly expect a, a very competitive game from them on Thursday. Well, interesting as well. You know, you've, you've always got a coach to the situation. And as you mentioned, the Magic had gotten up into the double-digit lead and, and at one point had pushed it into the low to mid-20s in terms of the lead. And then coming out in that third quarter, uh, for a, the first half of that third quarter, the uh, Highlanders had outscored the Magic, I believe it was 16-6, to and had cut the lead 2-6, at which point you called a timeout. And it turned out to be a very well-placed timeout, timeout because your squad came out after that and were just went on fire, went on a big run of their own. And we'll we'll get to the another timeout that you called, but that first timeout when the Highlanders had cut it to six, what was your message? I, I think part of the message was, you know, hey, <laughs> we're a below five hundred ball club right now. You know, we, we don't you know, because we come off a win and, and we're up early in this game, you know, what what do you think we're just gonna kind of, you know, coast to a win? That's not the case and it just had to be kind of a stern message to them, reminding them of that and that we still have a ton of work to do. And it wasn't enough playing 48 minutes last night, and it's certainly not going to be enough 
you know, only playing 24 minutes today, you know, we, we needed to play, you know, a, a, a full 96 minutes in two days. We, you know, we have to build these habits and, and uh, create these good habits and where it just becomes, you know, easy to us. It's just been the style that we play all the time. And, and we're still in that process of working to that point where we play at one pace regardless of a back-to-back or regardless of a, of a scoreboard. You know, we're going to play one way all the time. Um, and I, I think that time I was kind of reminding them of, of that. And there was one particular play not long after that timeout where, again, you guys had gone on a pretty big run, and there was a nice offensive sequence, and it's actually one of the clips that's up for voting right now on the Moncton Magic website, but it was a dish inside, and Anthony Cox took it baseline and reversed underneath and just had a huge one-handed jam that really kind of seemed to encapsulate what the entire team was doing at that point, which was everybody stepping up their game. How big was that play, and how much did that lift the bench? It, it, it was it was a huge play. Um, it, you know, it, that was actually the, I think the first time we scored out of the timeout, um, and it, it really did kind of set a tone. And it also told me that, well, certainly Anthony received the message in the timeout. Um, you know, and he's not going to be coasting to anything. He very easily could have just laid the ball in, and you know, instead he kind of sent a message. I think to to the rest of the team. You know, that let's get our act together. And again, that's a veteran that's a veteran move. Um, so no, it was it sparked us for sure. I think it sparked an eleven-two run, um, you know, after that dunk. And uh, yeah, no, I mean that that's kind of the, the mentality that I was trying to, to get across to them in the timeout. And um, you know, sometimes it, it it works, right? And again, co- uh, credit to the Highlanders and to Coach Spawn. Um, after that initial run out of that first timeout, the Highlanders kind of stayed with it and, and kept their defensive intensity up, started to creep back in again to the point where you felt that it might be slipping away again and you called another very strategic and well-placed timeout. That second timeout, what do you recall of it in terms of was it much um, reinforcing of the message from the first one or was it a little different that second one? Because both were key. Yeah, it was, it was probably reinforcing the, the same message. You know, uh, again, being our fourth game in five days you know the first thing that goes is is the mental side right that that goes even before the physical fatigue and and we were just losing our edge um and i had to remind these guys that you know the the kicker and highlanders lead the league in three-point field goal percentage after the first week and a half and and anytime you're playing a team like that you know they can shoot themselves right back into ball games and um so i think it was just reinforcing what we needed to do defensively and again trying to light a little bit of fire you know, under our guys to finish that game out strong. And, and I think we did. I think, you know, Anthony Anderson and, and Jeremy Williams both, uh, you know, that final stretch to close out the game were, were just brilliant. And, um, again, that, that tells me that the message was received. And, again, a couple of real solid stat lines after that game. And, again, I know you don't like to single out players, but in the hallway with you after the game, you know, your, your eyes kind of lit up a little bit and you got a little bit of a, a grin when you were checking out some of those stat lines. And, again, you know, what were a couple of things, whether it's from a team perspective or a couple of individual numbers that kind of jumped off that page at you post-game? Well, I think, it was, I think again, we had six or seven guys in double figures. Um, you know, our assist to turnover ratio, that, that's always one of the first numbers that I look at after a game as well. You know, how much were we moving the basketball and how much were we valuing each possession? Um, I thought Terry Thomas was, again, just, just really, really good. And, you know, I kind of had a joke with Terry after. I think, you know, I've coached Terry in probably close to 100 games now. 
uh, in the NBL Canada, and I don't ever remember him having nine assists, you know, so I kind of <laughs> I kind of gave him a nudge about that, and uh, that was something Terry in training camp, you know, the first thing I noticed was how much more he was distributing the basketball. Um, so, you know, him being on the triple-double watch is, is, was, a, was a great thing to, to see, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, I was, I was happy we were able to get back-to-back home wins, because I know that's important for our franchise, you know, early on to get wins, um, you know, show fans here in Moncton that, that this is going to be a good basketball team. So obviously we were really disappointed to, to perform the way we did in the home opener and drop that one. So I knew winning games two and three at home um, were, were very important. So I was, you know, I was pleased that uh, we were able to do that and, and at least salvage a, a 500 record coming out of the, the first weekend. And again, just early stages of the NBL season, but last week on the podcast, you know, we had a chance to chat to you and get your overall assessment of where the team was after a couple of games. You had yet to find the win column now after a couple of wins at home, again, early on. But uh, let's get uh, your assessment of where you feel things are with the team right now getting ready for uh, a game at home on Thursday, again, against the Highlanders. I think we're in a really, really good place, Scott. I, th- I think the guys have understood if we defend you know, the ball is going to go in the basket. We're going to score points. Um, you know, if we defend and we really buy into being a very tough defensive team and we just don't have any letdowns, you know, and, and um, guys are holding each other accountable for their defensive assignments, you know, on and off the ball. And I feel like that's kind of clicked with us. And, you know, in film session tonight, we're, we're going to, we're only watching, we're watching 25 clips all on the defensive end against Cape Breton. Um, I will continue to reinforce that. And after a week and a half, you know, I think we're, I think we're number one in the league defensively, which I, I don't assume a lot of people would have put us in that category, you know, seeing our roster coming into the season. So I'm going to try to use that. I'm going to try to use that as motivation. You know, how long can we stay in that top spot defensively in this league? Um, and just challenge the guys with it. And I think they're going to be up for that challenge. So I think they're confident going into uh, Thursday's game now that we've, we've played four games. We have a couple wins. And I think they've realized that, you know, the defensive end is, is going to be the real important end for us for this year. And as long as we take care of that, we can put ourselves in a good position. Now, you mentioned watching film tonight, and, and you also referenced that kind of very busy stretch to open up the season with the four games in five days. The last couple of days, has have you given the team a little extra R&R, or have you kind of tried to keep to a regular schedule? We had a, we had a total day off today. Uh, excuse me, yesterday. Um, we had a, a complete day off, which... I think it's the first time since we opened training camp they had a full day off. No no team functions, no film sessions, no lifting, practice, anything. Um, and I think a lot of the guys took advantage of that. And I actually I moved our practice, our normal practice time from this afternoon to tonight um, to give us almost a full two days rest um, after those four games in five days. So we'll have a film session this evening followed by a practice that doesn't start until 7 o'clock tonight, which is really kind of out of the norm for us. Um, but again, you know, we have a veteran team. We have some older legs. we got to make sure that they're always in their best shape come game day. So I'm just trying to take those precautions. and uh, you know, But I'm, I'm, I'm itching to go. I'm ready to have a good practice tonight. And uh, before we let you go, we'll just get you to tee up a little bit about that game Thursday night. Just a reminder for fans. Uh, this Thursday, November the 30th, 7 p.m. Atlantic time at the Moncton Coliseum. The Moncton Magic will be taking on the Cape Breton Highlanders. And again, Coach, maybe just a quick word about your expectation there. Of course, it's it's kind of a back-to-back, but 
with a few days in between. But the point is, the Highlanders have seen you now. You've seen them. They've got the veteran addition of Hakeem Johnson, Coach Spawn, the veteran coach. We'll have a few extra days to break you guys down. What are going to be a couple of keys for the Magic to uh, get on top of the 500 mark on the season? Well, like I said, I think continuing to focus defensively. Um, I also think, you know, I'm hearing kind of through the league rumor mill that Kate Bretton will be will be adding two new players as well. So, you know, it looks like it looks like management is trying to make some changes over there. So, I think we'd see a couple new faces uh, in the game on Thursday. So, you know, trying to prepare for those new guys as well. Um, you know, sharpening up still a little on the offensive end, and, and then again, just really hammering home. You know, the the basic principles of, of our defensive system, um, that's really what the focus will be on this week. You know, we struggled guarding a, a couple things. We got hung up on some flare screens and, and, you know, just a couple things like that that we just need to, to improve on this week in practice and, and we'll drill those actions and just try to be prepared for what will be a tough game Thursday. I mean, it absolutely will be a, a difficult game. I think they have some talented young players. They're only going to get better with every game. Um, they're a much, much better team than the record shows. So, you know, we, we just really have to come to play. Well, Coach, we're certainly uh, looking forward to being there on Thursday night. Of course, myself and David Tingley will have the call of the game via NBL Canada Live. And, of course, you can get the online link through the Moncton Magic website as well. Coach, we appreciate your time. As always, go enjoy your evening. Have a great practice tonight. And we will look forward to seeing you on Thursday night. Okay, great, Scott. I appreciate it. Have a good one, sir. Take care. That's Coach Joe Salerno from the Moncton Magic. His team, again, will be in action on Thursday night at 7 p.m., and David Tingley and I will have the call for you. want to remind you as well to visit the Moncton Magic website. It's monctonmagic.ca. You can get all of the roster information, updated statistics, as well as see some of the clips from Magic TV, where David Tingley interviews some of the players pre- and post-game. And, of course, uh, there'll be some clips there for you as well. You can vote on your play of the week. You can do all that and more encourage you to visit the Moncton Magic website as well as the NBL Canada website. And again, a reminder, 7 o'clock Thursday night, we will be there as the Moncton Magic take on the Cape Breton Highlanders. If you don't already have tickets, make sure you get some, come out to the game, and you know what? Even come down to the broadcast area and say hello to David and myself. Until next time, my friends, this has been the Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. It's the Firm Foundation Media Podcast.